Welcome to the latest episode of Vinyl and Celluloid. So summer season is officially here, and along with it, there are so-called summer movies. It's hard to talk about this topic without mentioning Jaws, the 1975 iconic blockbuster that redefined a whole industry. But whereas Jaws gets all the praise, the three sequels released in the following 12 years don't get enough attention, and their appraisal is usually conducted under a negative connotation. Well, today we will try to change that, and since this seems like it's a two-job person, Rob Lane has kindly agreed to join in the task. Welcome, Rob. Oh, yay, Pedro. How's it going? All good, all good. First of all, thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on this episode uh, and for actually going through the hassle of watching the cinematic masterpiece <laughs> of Jaws 2 and 3 and 4. <laughs> The asshole. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I was happy to dive back in. Any 80s goodness, I'm all over it. Okay, sounds about right. But before we dive into, oh, pardon the pun, but before we get into that, um, you have a really cool project. And honestly, I'm sure that, well, I'm, I find it very cool. And I'm sure the listeners will find it as well. So, I mean, over to you. Just um, tell me, tell us a bit more about your podcast and the uh, uh, the, the hard rock and heavy metal cover project, how did it start, etc. Over to you. Awesome. Well, yeah, thank you so much for having me to come on and talk about some of the greatest films. Well, Jaws is one of the greatest films in yes. cinema history, but um, I'm happy to talk about the sequels as well. But yeah, I have a project called Straight to Video. I've been playing in bands um, for well over 20 years now. I'm not a songwriter, um, but I always want to do my own little project. So um, uh -huh. I started doing like cover songs of movie soundtracks, from like the 80s and 90s, all my favorite films, and getting on board all musicians who I've got to know over the years and just doing fun cover versions. And from that, um, it stemmed into the podcast a couple of years ago. Um, I wanted mm -hmm. to speak to as many musicians and people from films and just share my love of pop culture and hopefully spread it out to everybody else. And, yeah, it's just been a lot of fun. I think they say if you do something with passion and which you love um, – it's a success at the end of the day, whatever happens with it. So yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun to do and I'm really enjoying it. <laughs> exactly. No, I couldn't agree with you more as uh, as someone who hosts uh, a podcast and who now started the uh, video stage. Um, I couldn't agree with you more. It's uh, there's a lot of work involved, uh, but yeah, if you do it and you, you enjoy it, then, uh, then you're, it's the key to success, right? Exactly. So, yeah. You mentioned your, um, well, your interest in, in in pop culture, but also there's a specific niche uh, when it comes to, especially the, the the songs you record, and they seem to be always, or well, most of them associated with horror movies, right? So, uh, where and how did your interest in horror movies uh, started? Um, I think it's. I mean, what kid doesn't like horror movies when they're growing up, especially if Very you're true. growing up in the, like, I mean, I'm, I was born in 74, so VHS came along in just at the turn of the decade in the very early 80s. So it was such a big deal. But most of the first films you saw uh -huh. were horror films. I think two of the first horror films I saw at like maybe like six or seven years old were The Evil Dead and uh -huh. Evil Speak, which are like two pretty grisly horror films for a young kid 
even before 10 years old to be seen, but um, it was kind of the norm back then. It was such a big deal yeah. over here with the video nasties and all that kind of exactly. thing. Exactly. I, I was about to, I was about to comment that you, you lived through the uh, period of the video nasties, right? Exactly. Uh, yeah. So you, you, yeah, it must have been difficult to find some of the, some copies of some of the titles. Uh, yeah. I mean, we yeah. saw evil dead before it got banned and all that kind of thing. Then that wasn't <laughs> available for years. I mean, I never yeah. saw Texas chainsaw massacre until, probably wow very late 80s and that was when i was on vacation in the usa so i know oh, that wow. didn't come out here for a re-release yeah. probably until i don't know i'd have to check the dates but around the turn of 1990 perhaps even later when it finally became available again so um but there was always yeah. many horror films to be seen it was it was just a great time for horror good or bad there's yes. just so much out there yes yes uh, i agree with you i recently watched q um, the one with the uh, the Larry Cohen movie about wow. the, uh, with the stuff animation and everything. And it was just like it's not proper horror, but still like uh, th- there is di- there's there was a lot of diversity back then. Let's just put it like that. You had the slashers, the psychological thrillers, um, even some monster movies, and yeah, I guess yeah, even even Jaws and all the ripoffs uh, would fit into this category. That's that's pr- pretty cool. And I mean, a- again, part of also most of the horror movies uh, of the time, you had the the soundtrack, right? And and not only the the, the score or the composition, but also some some famous artists um, w- actually recorded songs for horror movies. I'm thinking of Alice Cooper and and the Friday the Thirteenth Part Six, and then this mega group or super group, uh, Dudes of Wrath, with um, Tommy yeah. Lee and all those guys with Shocker. Um, so yeah, um, this was, and obviously a, a song that you covered, uh, Pet Cemetery" by the Ramones. That's right. Yeah. That was a fun one to do. <laughs> I love the video clip. And, and, <laughs> and, and, and as a segue to that, like from the, all the covers you recorded, which one is your favorite? Oh, wow. That, that's a, a very <laughs> tough question. I think it's like they say, when you have kids, which one's your favorite yeah. but it's usually the latest one. Cause I'm, I always think. I'm getting better in the studio and mm-hmm. I, I enjoy having friends come on board and it's always exciting to see what they bring to the project. Of course. And uh, especially if perhaps if, if, if they're not in the studio and now you can do everything online. So I'll send like, for example, on the last track I did, which was trick or treat um, yeah. by Fastway, Um, I got all the instrumentation down and then I sent it to my friend Jacob from the band stop, stop to do the lead vocal so it was super exciting to get that back with his vocal on there. It's like, what's he done? What's he done? And he just smashed it out of the park. So um, yeah, it's always fun. So Trick or Treat tra- turned out really great. But going back to one of the very first songs I did, I think the first cover version I did was a version of Rush Hour by Jane Weedland. So it's not always horror films, yeah, yeah. which I do. And uh, that, again, it was just turned out better than I expected it to be. My friend Becky came in. And did the vocals, and I didn't know how she'd sound on the track, but I remember sitting in the studio with the producer Joe, and as soon as she started singing the first few lines, was like, "Yes, this is perfect for this." We nailed song. it. We nailed yeah. it. Yeah. And, and and now off script, uh, a quick question for you: um, Do you take requests? Because I have, uh, I wanted to hear your thoughts on covering um, a semi-obscure title or a semi-obscure song. <laughs> Bring it on. I'm always up for Okay, okay. Requests. So I want to hear your thoughts on 
Never Dreamed Someone Like You Could Love Someone Like Me by Katie Irving from Carrie 1976. Wow, that is <laughs> obscure. I'd have to go back and listen to that one. But <laughs> So it's the song that plays uh, right before the, the prom carnage and all that. So it's when uh, she's dancing with Tommy and the whole camera is spinning and the audience almost gets dizzy, right? you know. So that's the song that plays there. And it's, it's quite cheesy. Um, it was, I believe not written, but performed by uh, Amy Irving, who stars in the movie, uh, her sister. Um, so yeah, if you um, if you want any obscure suggestions, this is my, my contribution. I will take that on board 100%, and I'm going <laughs> to YouTube that after we finish this conversation <laughs> to check it out. Fair enough, fair enough. If you hate it, don't, um, don't, uh, don't hold it against me. <laughs> and, and speaking of iconic soundtracks, uh, obviously John Williams uh, and, and Jaws. Oh, the master. Exactly. It's it's a perfect segue to to start with um, to start our, our main topic, and I mean um, before we dig, dig uh, dive into again into um, Jaws and and the franchise. I mean, what was and you mentioned uh, born in the seventies, etc. So Jaws was a big thing in nineteen seventy five. What was your first contact with with the franchise, with Jaws the original and the franchise overall? I think it would probably. I mean, I was I was obviously just born when it actually came out of the cinema, mm -hmm. so I have no recollection <laughs> of the impact it had from a cinema point of view. But just the imagery of it, I don't think you could escape it. Um, that would have been the first things which hit home to me. I mean, I even had the Jaws game. I don't know if you've seen that, which was the plastic shark where you had oh, to yeah. get um, things out of its mouth. Um, like kind of like Bookaroo, but with a great white shark on that. I yeah. wish I still had that because that's a classic piece of toy memory that game is. So, um, but trying to think when I first actually saw the film, I don't know if it would have been on VHS or I mean, things took so long to go onto television back then. So yeah. it probably would have been on video when I saw it. Perhaps maybe well, it would have been early eighties, so mm -hmm. way after the film. Had been was out of the cinema, yeah, a yeah, time. yeah. I mean, on, on my side, I was um, I was about seven, and I mean, my family they all went to see the movie <laughs> when it was released in 1975. Uh, they were big fans, um, so they allowed me. Like, I used to try and sneak some, you know, some movies like pass uh, under under parental radar, right? So mm -hmm. I remember renting The Fly, uh, David Cronenberg one. Uh, so some of them I was like, had to be pretty sneaky about it or recorded <laughs> recorded uh, on, on, on the VHS when they were on TV and then watch it when my parents weren't home. But Jaws was, um, yeah, it was kind of like, no, yeah, you're allowed to see it. So I was about seven when um, when I rented it in, on, on VHS. And I mean, I was sold from the very first frame. And that summer, I managed to also rent Jaws 2. And mind you, this was 1998, so before the internet was everywhere. Uh -huh. uh, so I thought, that that's it, right? Uh, there was no other way. Uh, so they made two movies. Uh, they're very good. Um, and it was during a trip to uh, Universal Studios Florida that, you know, they have the stores where they sell all the memorabilia and all the crap you can buy. And I saw VHS, not DVD, VHS copies of Jaws 3 and Jaws 4 or Jaws the Revenge for sale. And I was like, I never heard of this before. I was, whoa. And when you're eight or nine, you're kind of like, you don't have a lot of <laughs> quality criteria. You no. Know? So 
I was kind of like, more? Yes, sign me up. So, um, <laughs> did you go on the ride when you was over there? I did. I did. I'm so sad that it's no longer, uh, no longer uh, operational. Like they have the the one, uh, I believe, only in Japan and California. But the Soul Ride no longer exists, and I, mm. I'm really sad because it was amazing. Yeah. It was really, really good. So did and you buy the VHS copies from the gift No, show? because that, that was the thing, right? Even with DVDs, there was uh, Zone 1, 2, etc. until 5. And with VHS, you also had the NTSS, uh, NTSC and uh, PAL, you know, the European mm-hmm. um, format. And my parents are kind of like, well, we're not going to buy you something that then you cannot use. And there was, again, no internet to tell you how to open up your VHS. And I'm pretty sure my parents didn't want me to do that anyways uh, and to <laughs> yeah. hack it, you know? So I was kind of like, whoa, it, this exists. And for me, I was sold, you know, uh, one day, one day. And, um, but, but from then on, I mean, again, again, with the Jaws memorabilia, I got the, the poster. Um, I, it was the first DVD I ever purchased. Uh, my second CD, um, the soundtrack, it was my second purchase overall. And yeah, I mean, it was, I was, for, for many years, it was my favorite movie of all time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, did, did you also go on a, on the ride at Universal Studios? I did, yeah. I probably yeah. still got some photographs of it from somewhere. Uh, yeah. I used to take photographs of all that kind of stuff, but I wish I could revisit some of those gift shops, which they had oh, yeah. all, all the movie memorabilia from back in the day. There must have been some quality Jaws merchandise back then. Oh, which yeah. never see. I remember, so I think they kept the, you know, that they had the shark just like in the, the movie. They had the plastic one where you could take a photo. Mm-hmm. But I recall, I don't know if it still exists. I'll have to Google it later. But they had this like um, Quince restaurant, you know. Uh, uh, so like all fried fish and whatnot and uh, everything. Uh, superb. Not, not very sophisticated, but still. My parents were like, nope. Uh, <laughs> no, no, you already, you already ate enough crap during this yeah. trip. Uh, you don't need any more. So, yeah, it was iconic, inspired the ride. People went bonkers. And, and then, um, I mean, it made so much money that, of course, Jaws 2 came along, right? And this is where we, it starts to get tricky because I remember reading um, uh, a, a British film magazine. It was an empire um, in, in the 90s, late 90s. And it, Jaws 2 was ranked one of the top 25 best sequels of all time. And really? Then, exactly. And then you read something else that says it's actually awful. Um, so I think with, with Jaws 2, there's still like a bit of... Um, a division or the it's a polarizing movie um but yeah i mean again we when when did you first uh when did you first watch uh, jaws 2 again that's pretty hazy so it must yeah. have been i'm thinking it must have been on tv when i'd never i'm normally pretty good at remembering what films we rented mm-hmm. um i have like a strange memory for the most random information i can never remember renting jaws 2 i, I specifically remember seeing it in my living room with my mom. Um, <laughs> so I, I'm pretty sure it must have been on TV. So that would have been many years after it was li- released. What year did it come out? Do you know? 1978. Oh, okay. 1978. Yeah. So yeah. we're talking very early 80s when I saw it. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. I mean, J- Jaws 2, it, it, it's very interesting because um, 
I have I have a, a well a personal view on on this movie and why it's actually good. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting to see the whole story behind it when they actually wanted to persuade either Spielberg and Richard Dreyfuss to join in the sequel. Um, right. That didn't work out. Then they wanted to make uh, a movie about the based on the whole USS Indianapolis uh, monologue. That didn't work out either. So they went with the you know let's make this. Uh, a direct sequel and just like capture the true spirit if possible. Yes. And, and one of the interesting things is that I'm now reading uh, the novelization. You know, I was inspired by um, by Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and how the book, uh, like w- when it wasn't the original source material, and um, the studios hired writers to come up with uh, you know novelization. It would be very or somewhat. Well, ranging from somewhat to very different from the movie you actually yeah, saw. Yeah, there's always little sections in them, isn't there, which is exactly. slightly different. Exactly. And, I mean, Jaws 2, I think it's probably one of the best unmade scripts mm, right. <laughs> or stories so far. I'm, I'm halfway through. But um, but before we, we get to that, um, I mean, I think it's, it's worth just, uh, you know, quick recap of the movie. Essentially, same situation, new shark. Chief Brody's call to action. People don't believe him despite <laughs> the efforts. And he needs to go and save the day once again. And I It's not I, the most solid of pitches now you say it, it like that. I know, exactly. But this is this is how uh, I believe critics and how not audiences, because audiences are pretty much, yay, more jaws, but this is how critics narrow it down, you know? And today what we're trying to do is just rescue or elevate these movies. And I mean I think um, I think there's a lot more to it, but before I, I go on to, <laughs> uh, please, what are your thoughts on on Jaws two? In you've seen it or re- revisited more recently than I did. Yeah, it's, it's a strange one. It's sometimes I see films which I've not seen in a while, and mm-hmm. certain scenes I remember every single second of them. I'm like, wow, I must have seen this film more times than I realized because. I remember every second of this. So there's like certain scenes in Jaws 2, which like the girl water skiing um, and one of the early scenes, I don't obviously we're late in the day for spoilers with a film over 30 (laughs) years old, uh, but uh, where the shark gets burnt, which I think is a great element of this film. Um, I love that part of it where the mm-hmm. shark attacks the boat and the boat explodes and the shark gets burnt. I think that's really, really cool. So I remember that uh, vividly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for me, I enjoyed it. It's it's almost you could watch the films back to back because they're very, very similar. One kind of flows into the next and you yeah. don't feel like much has changed. So um, there's that element of it. Um, it's I think the pacing of it could be a little bit skippier. Um, but you mentioned something about one thing I was watching it before I looked at your notes was how it brings a lot of the more of the teenagers into the film. Exactly. And you mentioned like a slasher type of vibe with that. And Mm -hmm. uh, I wonder if that was something they were trying to do. I don't know what films were around at the time. Maybe Friday the 13th had been released. um, No, no, no. That was way after. Right. So this was even before Halloween. I, well, I know this movie was released during the summer and I assume Halloween was released later in the year again, same year, 1978. So you didn't really have that proof of concept other than what Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Black Christmas to get that flasher vibe, you know? So that's, that's the thing. It's, um, it's quite, I wouldn't call it a 
purely a slasher, but it is kind of like the teen focus gives mm-hmm. it that kind of vibe, right? That's interesting. If uh, I'd not looked at the dates or the timeline on when like this, the main slasher films had come out, but now you say, it, yeah, that's interesting that there perhaps wasn't that many around, but this had that kind of element to it, which is really cool. Exactly. And I mean, you see that it's not purely a like, teen-driven movie. Yeah, they do take probably, what, 50% of the screen time? But mm-hmm. still, Chief Brody and all the conflicts with the older characters, uh, it's still there and it's still what drives the plot. But We the do whole... have the guy from Christine in there as well. Is that right? Oh, yeah, yeah. The guy with the glasses? Yeah. Yes. He's in Christine. I, I, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that you mentioned it, yeah. So there you go. Um, so some some future influence, and, yeah. and that's that's one of the reasons why I think this this movie is is so good. Um, obviously, it's 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 a bit of the same, but at the same time, it isn't. You know, it's adding something. It's yeah. not uh, you know a carbon copy. And and what's more interesting about it is I don't know if you read uh, Peter Benchley's original um, novel uh, Jaws. No, it's something um, I need to do. I need to add yeah. that to the list. No, no, uh, no, it, it's going to be fun and without giving you, well, <laughs> it's a bit difficult not, not to spoil it, but it, it's a very, it, it's, it's a very different version of what you have on screen, right? So it's, it's darker. You have a lot more with the whole situation of, uh, well, sorry, but Matt and Quint both die. Ellen has a, an affair with Matt. Um, so it's kind of like there's a lot of drama around the city, uh, around the town of Amity, a lot of corruption. And yeah, and then there's a shark, but the shark almost takes, you know, it's it's a character, but it, it's there also to, to drive all this narrative and everything that's happening in Amity, as opposed to the the movie where it's just like, yeah, another pro- prosperous summer, and um, look, a shark is going to ruin our plants. <laughs> exactly, kind of what made the original Jaws a success, where it's more focused on the characters and the interaction to them, and the shark is something else that's happening. Uh, mm-hmm. So, I mean, that sounds great to me, but selling that back then when exactly we want another summer blockbuster or whenever it was released, people just want the shark. And exactly. perhaps they underestimate the audience a lot of times when it comes to that. I'm not sure. No, that's 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 very true. And I mean, um, actually, so, so with Jaws, the option or choice to go a bit lighter in terms of tone, if you will, um, was was one that was taken from the beginning, whereas Jaws 2 uh, was originally meant to be directed by uh, John Hancock, and he got fired. Um, and the, the the book, the novelization that you can buy on eBay, uh, secondhand version, um, it's it's um, it's the original screenplay, and I mean, it is grim. And when I say right. grim, I mean really grim. You have like Amity didn't survive like economically to the events of the first movie there's mafia uh there's the mafia investing in the new hotel which is something that was uh, that remains or continued to the later versions of the script but again it's really really super dark and grim it sounds great though <laughs> it is it is it is it is and um and i mean when even if there are some criticisms towards the movie, I'm really glad that um, there was one change made uh, in the final script, which was the uh, supposedly Lorraine Gary's uh, character, Ellen Brody, was supposed to go and rescue the kids as opposed to to, um, uh, to Chief Brody. 
And um, yeah, is that they, a bit of foreshadowing, which they perhaps brought back? No, <laughs> no, no, no. This was actually, you know what? She was uh, Lorraine Gary was married to Sid Scheinberg, who was a big honcho at Universal at the time. So yeah, I guess she she knew people in high places, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and wanted a bit more more screen time. Right. But 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 yeah, I mean, overall the the movie is great. I just I don't know how you feel about the opening sequence, but I just find it terrifying with the divers. And the the orca, yeah. I mean, that's a cool little touch because it, it does. It just feels like I could say you could watch these films back to back, and they just kind of nicely flow into each other. And there's these elements which you do remember, but it is moving it forward. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, I, I, absolutely. And I think um, also, well, two things. The, the first one is John Williams is back for the sequel, and. Um, and I mean, I, I think the soundtrack is also amazing. How could you, like, it's it, it's very easy to be overwhelmed when you compose a masterpiece and now you have to follow up. Yeah. But he creates some original themes and even the Finding Orca, which is the first track in the album, I find it amazing. Like, just a beautiful composition. Really, really, really great. I don't know how you feel about the score. Yeah, I mean, John Williams's work is just, He's got the stuff which you instantly know it's his, but every time he comes up with something new and um, yeah, the Jaws 2 one, it's great. You almost expect it to be just the same, but it's not. He's, he's brought something new to it again. So mm-hmm. um, props to John Williams on that. He wasn't going to sit around and um, just take it easy. He wanted to bring something new. Of course, of course. And, and again, now we're slowly, you know, Fleshing out the um, the items or the aspects that make Jaws to actually a good movie and not just a, a ripoff or a, or the cash grab that uh, critics claim it is. And 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 the other thing I find fa- fascinating in um, in the sequel is the fact that um, it is a bit of that uh, you know goes against the stereotype of the happy forever after. You know, when you finish Jaws 1975, you see Matt. And Brody just swimming towards shore, you know, buddy, buddy, all mm-hmm. is well. Um, but Jaws too, not just because of the sh- uh, another shark is back. Um, I think it highlights something like first Brody's alcoholic problem, right. um, and yeah, right, uh, which is again toned down in the original, not not by much, but again the fact that he has no credibility, right? Basically, he was elected Amity's Man of the Year, um, had his moment of glory, but people got tired of him and they, they f- f- forgot him, you know? And yeah. they don't believe him a second time. It's kind of like Brody, the boy who cried shark, you know? <laughs> exactly, exactly. I, I don't think know, they what, would. What, what, I don't know. Yeah. That's a strange one. You'd think they would be on board, at least giving the benefit of the doubt initially, but um, no, it's, it's forgotten. People are moving on straight away. Exactly, exactly. Um, I I don't know. I don't because you watch it more recently. Maybe it's the whole dynamic of yeah, the town recovered, but right. So we still need the investment. We still need to make this new hotel work. Yada yada yada. So, Brody, shush. You know. Yeah, exactly. Maybe it's that vibe because and, and again, I agree with you. Not not with the pace, but maybe on the screenplay it could have been a bit better in terms of bringing that conflict or making it a bit more clearer. I don't know what your thoughts right. are. Right. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, yeah, it, I would love to have seen, like you say, the Amity being a little bit more run down. I was trying. I was thinking about this earlier, and um, a film which did that 
perhaps not as well as it should, but in Fred is Dead, the Nightmare on Elm Street, which was the sixth film, when they return to... Under, yeah, I don't understand, sorry to interrupt, why people hate that movie. I like it. Oh, I'm not a fan. <laughs> You're not? Okay. I'm not, no. <laughs> but I like that. I th- They had an element in it, which I think could have been um, done a little bit better. But when they return to um, Springwood and all the kids are gone and it's just like this ghost town, almost... Mm-hmm post-apocalyptic kind of thing well perhaps not that bad but it's it's effectively a ghost town with just adults in there and when these kids arrive they freak out because they've not seen kids for a while i like that kind of vibe that element so if you could add like amity which is um a beach town which should be thriving with tourists just being such a rundown area i think that would have been great exactly and that's exactly what's in in the novel and could have transpired a bit into the the, the final bit right? yeah so so this is this is at least a, a great suggestion on how to improve jaws 2 um i also think yeah maybe a bit more yeah it, it's it's difficult not to say that you know brody saves the day again right so maybe <laughs> a different dynamic or at least not saving the day by himself uh, right would have been slightly better um because I mean, when you look at it, it's basically the same setting. He's just exactly. in, a, in, in, in a dinghy, right? He's not on a bigger boat. That's the the only difference. Um, and the way they get rid of the shark. But yeah, still, that's I, set up for the finale. Watching it again, it's like, oh, they've just gave the entire thing away right at the beginning of the film. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. With with the cables, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There was, uh, yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I remember that now. And they kept, uh, what was his name, uh, one of the few uh, returning uh, non-key characters uh, to return was what, Hendrix? Right. Uh, the Deputy Hendrix, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, again, he doesn't add a lot of value. But I always thought there was something very odd with him, <laughs> regardless really? of the shark, right? I don't know. Like He always seems like, uh, I don't know, I don't want to sound rude, but anything, but like uh, mental disability or something okay. like that. I don't know. Even the slightest things, just like uh, remember from the original, let Polly do the printing, as in Hendrix Kent Bright or yeah, Hendrix yeah, yeah. Kent Spell, you know. So and he's he's always like I don't know if it's the actor or like a wooden performance or just like a backup character, but he always seems so out of it, even before the shark appears, you know. I think that's a character which kind of you perhaps see that in quite a few films of the time. It's like someone who's looked down upon a little bit or something like that. Maybe um, it might have just been a a trait of films back in the day, someone who people talk down to or something like that. I'm not sure. It's quite interesting that you picked up on it. I don't know. Maybe I watched it plenty of times, but it was like <laughs> Hendrix was always like, like why? Like, uh, just a goofy sidekick. Exactly. Really exactly. Much, yeah. And I'm thinking now of like, uh, you know, the, the goofy police officers from Halloween five. Yeah. Um, yeah, what was the other one? Uh, oh, the police officers in general from uh, the town that dreaded sundown, you know? There's always, like, an element of, like, let's ridicule the law. Exactly, yeah. I think that's what it is. Just kind of a running theme in films. Yeah, kind of a punkish vibe, you know? Yeah. Rebel against the system. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, and any other thoughts on how we could actually improve uh, Jaws 2? Um, I don't know. I mean, how do you feel about the shark? Because um, one of the things if they say one of the great things of the original Jaws is because the shark broke down so many times, you saw so little of it. Do you think we're getting to a point where people wanted to see more of the shark? Um, 
I, I think Jaws two and running into the later films. Yeah, I, I think if they, I think they they got the right decision, right? Um, so there was no point in hiding it. Uh, the the model wasn't getting any better, <laughs> right? And and I think the fact that now you see a lot more of the attacks that I don't know if you can put it like this, but like if you look at the original, like Alex Skinner and all the other attacks, they they like the the person or the body is on the surface, the shark comes from beneath, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas in Jaws two, you have a lot more attacks that take place above water exactly. level. Exactly, makes yeah. sense. So for example, when you mentioned the water ski girl right and then the lady was driving the boat like she's attacked um like the, the shark is on the boat just yeah. like on the, at the end and um even yes some of the other attacks i i, I think they i think I think yeah they, they it was the right decision to show it a bit more i think they could have pushed the envelope a bit more on the gore you know um yeah. especially when you see the outtakes of the original like scenes that were deemed too gory uh i would have you know, just maybe with what was the name of the the curly haired guy who was dating Tina? I Eddie, Eddie, right? So his that his is it's quite grim, but could have been a bit more visual. You know, just a bit more yeah, bloody. I don't know. But that's in the time where people would be chopping seconds off scenes. That's when it was pretty ruthless on the cutting room floor. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm I'm with you. Um, maybe, maybe that wouldn't, would have hurt the movie a bit. Um, but it's still, I think it, it does, it has its merits and it deserves to be seen and the reputation of, oh, um, a sequel. Great. Um, Mm -hmm. it's, 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 well, not, not fully deserved, you know? Uh, also for many years, uh, it was one of the top 10 highest grossing pictures in the U S right. So, wow. I mean, yeah. And, and. So people not, not, were flocking to that film. Yes, yes, and all the reissues and all that. They they re, re- reissued uh, Jaws two, and I mean just the fact that it was available to rent back in ninety eight in Portugal just shows that yeah, there was at least some demand for that in mm-hmm. in smaller <laughs> markets. Um, and and people really went to to see the sequel. Like my, my parents went to see the sequel. They had no idea that Jaws three and four existed, even though they were released in Portugal. But people really went to see it, and the, this for the same reason that my mom for years mentioned that oh there is a close encounters of third ki- of the third kind part two, and I was like no there isn't. So what she meant was there was a special edition released in nineteen eighty. Ah right, right. So it was advertised as such. So I, I guess it was a product of the time, you know. And people really went to see yeah more Jaws please. And so I think it's 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 a good movie. Could have been. Slightly improved. I'm enjoying the novelization, but I mean, I mean, we can all dwell on what could have been, but there's very little with all the restraints that you mentioned in terms of visual and graphic gore. There's very little we that could have been done, you know, without damaging the movie's success. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 then, well, uh, now we we get into murkier waters. Uh, and <laughs> We're fully into the eighties now. Exactly, and no excuses on gore. Uh, we were full in on the um, slasher era, and to prevent uh, a spoof called Jaws Three People Zero, Universal decided to greenlight Jaws Three, and uh, it would be a cash cow and attempt to, to make more money. And because the trend at the time of releasing some movies in three D, uh, what was it, uh, Friday the Thirteenth, Amityville. Mm-hmm. All of those uh, part threes were released in uh, you know, 3D. Um, they decided to 
make the movie uh, well not I wouldn't call it 3D but uh, to give it a 3D vibe yeah. <laughs> because it's not really 3D um, I don't know how how what was your experience I mean not uh, not getting on the dates but did you also see it in the 80s was it back to back I can actually of... say I saw this at the cinema oh wow yeah in 3D in 3D sir <laughs> oh wow and how, how was it tell me tell me tell me all I went to see that. Actually, um, I think I saw a making of, or there was some kind of preview of it on TV before, and the bit where they reveal the body in the um, mm -hmm. hospital room, science lab, or whatever. I remember seeing yeah. that, like, oh, my God, this is going to be amazing. And, yeah, I went to see this at the cinema, and I was trying to think. I'm wondering what rating it was in the UK. It mm -hmm. must have been. I don't know what it would be at that time. Would it have been? It's going to either be a PG or a 15. Uh, But it was the local cinema, so they pretty much let anyone in. Yeah, if you so, pay, if I, we don't yeah, care. Exactly. So I went to see it with my grandma and my auntie Margaret. And uh, Okay, so it was apparently, okay, I'm checking it now, PG, the original rating. It was a PG. Rating, cut by seven seconds, okay. Uh, video rating uncut 15 in 1987. Right. Incredible. So that's how I got in. It was just a PG, uh, okay. which is pretty interesting because there's some... <laughs> pretty nasty scenes for someone pretty young to be seeing it uh, exactly not again to like movie history but you know that it was only 1984 that pg-13 was introduced in the um, in the u.s because of gremlins yeah so yeah right so i guess before that just the year before anyone could could see anything uh but but you're quite right there are some visual visual scenes on that movie especially when they revealed the body so, so you, you saw it on 3D, headaches, no headaches. How was it? It, it blew my mind. <laughs> <laughs> that fish head at the beginning, Oh yeah, I, I could not believe it. That was floating above my head in the cinema. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I was all in. I've always had a soft spot for this film. I think I've been to um, SeaWorld in Florida a few years before. Yes. So that was always cool to me. I was always terrified of the tunnel which they had, which went, under the water and had sharks around you. I can remember being terrified of that prior <laughs> to it actually happening. Um, so, yeah, I I love the film when I saw it. Um, on subsequent viewings, I've still got a soft spot for it. I like the music yeah. in the film. Um, but on re-watching it recently... It doesn't hold up. <laughs> it does not. No, there's some of it I'm like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I mean, I wish I could have experienced it in 3D. Uh, so as I mentioned, the, the DVDs were released around 2001, and that's when I rented three and four, three and four. Um, and I recall, yeah, I just was still in the mindset of more Jaws, please. So uh, I didn't see it in 3D. Um, yeah, but the effects look a bit bad, you know. Uh, oh, it's awful on a regular screen. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, even the titles... Uh, look terrible I, i wish they'd have just recut it with normal titles instead of trying to make them pop on yeah. the screen oh, it's yeah. fine in 3d at the cinema but when it goes to home video just redo those bits exactly i'm uh, 200 with you on there um i i i mean also how was it i mean you, obviously yeah considering your your age and uh, when you first saw it in the, in the big screen and the fact that it was in 3d but i still can't get over the fact you know the final sequence when the shark is not even it's, it's mm -hmm. floating or something 
like that is like there are some cool effects but i think the whole third act is just like pointless bad 3d even with dolphins what was it cindy and sandy jumping yeah. at the end and that last scene i'd, I'd oh, block yeah. that out to my mind when oh, i saw that recently yeah, i was like yeah. damn <laughs> Maybe that was the, the seven seconds that they trimmed, you know, uh, to keep, yeah. like, people from seeing that. But also just, like, the final sequence. Like, say what you will about Joe's 2 repeating the whole, and we, we complained about that just a few minutes ago, but say what you will about, like, repeating the whole third act. This was just bad, you know, because the shark doesn't move. No. It doesn't no, move. It just simply comes forward, and the, the glass smashes it. It's just I don't know. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it it doesn't if things which don't hold up, that is like gotta be in the top five, if not top one. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it, yeah. Simpler times, mate. Simpler times. <laughs> simpler times indeed. Simpler times. And I mean I, I and I I'm not one to, to trash because I did watch all of those eighties, like well, not all, but at least I haven't watched Parasite, the the, the one from nineteen eighty uh one, I think. But I watched several of the 3D titles that were released around this time. And, I mean, I love Coming At You, the, the Western, Spaghetti Western from 1981. Amityville um, 3 is cool. Friday the 13th as well. I hear they even wanted to do uh, Poltergeist 2 in 3D. Uh, at really? Some point. Yeah, mm. with the, because uh, there is a, the sequence with the chainsaw and everything. So, I mean, there, and when you look at those effects, they're good. Like, not great, but good. So you, yeah, it's like going after 3D, it's not only an easy target, but one that, yeah, it, it, we really need to trash it. But, um, <laughs> but, but I just think, you know, that there's a lot beyond the 3D that went wrong. Yeah. And that starts with the screenplay. I mean, uh, we have some suspension of disbelief with Mark, Mike Brody just like um, aging like, uh, I don't know, what was it, uh, Benjamin Button? But, like, no, I don't know, no, it's the opposite of Benjamin Button, really fast. And he becomes kind of like, you know, almost, you know, the airport movies, there was that character, Joe Petroni, played by George Kennedy, who, in, in every movie, he had the same name, but a different job, right? <laughs> he was an air controller, then he was a pilot. He was like, he was everything. The man could run an airport by himself. Um, How old I, is Mike Brody supposed to be in Jaws 3? I, I don't know, uh, I mean, there was already a massive bump between, like, Jaws 1 and 2, right? Because mm -hmm. he was, what, 7, and then he's, like, 16, 15? Well, if he had a summer job, he must have been at least 15, right? So in three years, he aged. I think here, I don't know, he sounds like he's in his late 20s, early 30s? <laughs> I don't know. The man just, he has an issue. I mean, screw the shark, you know, study Mike Brody. <laughs> Take him to a lab. <laughs> um, but beyond that, like, okay, he, like... Let's we let's say we buy that. Like I, I'm gonna ask you this question: If you were part of not one but two shark attacks in your lifetime, would you work at the Sea World type of institution where you are consistently surrounded by the very same creatures that attacked you? Um, depends which way you want to look at. Does he do that as the way of like they say, if something scares you, go back in and which is actually brought up in the following film mm -hmm. go straight back in to eliminate that fear. Are they trying to do it from that point of view? Uh, but yeah, it is strange. It's almost like he's doing a job because he genuinely loves the sea and the animals. You think he would try and move far away from it. Whereas Sean does, he's afraid of the water. Yeah. His brother. Yeah. So th they are aware of it. Um, 
So they got it right with one brother and perhaps not with the other. <laughs> well, we need to complain to Ellen and uh, and Martin, right? They did a, they did a poor parenting job. Yeah. You know, right? right it's a very interesting perspective that one you brought, you know, because I haven't thought about it as a coping mechanism. But it, he almost behaves like Linda Blair did, Linda Blair's Reagan did on The Exorcist 2. When, uh, I don't know if you've seen that one. Where I've never just, seen Exorcist 2. No. She basically, it's not a spoiler, she goes into like, she's uh, doing therapy, etc. And there's this girl, and she's like, she asks uh, Reagan, Reagan McNeil, what, what's wrong with you? And she's like, oh, I was possessed by a demon, but I'm okay now. And literally, like, this this is the line, this is how she delivers it, very casually. And it always, like, the way you said it, it makes me feel like, <laughs> uh, like Mike would go, yeah, I was attacked by a couple of sharks, but yeah, I'm okay now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But that's a very interesting point. That's something that maybe they could have brought back instead of just focusing on Sean, you know, being horny and horniness, Trump yeah, yeah. here, uh, and him uh, getting into the water. Um, but I, I mean, th- we, we, we trashed enough. Um, I think it's time to talk about the good things and how to improve Jaws 3, even if we don't call it Jaws 3D anymore. And I mean, what, what are your takes? As in, as to... in, uh, how could this movie be a better movie, or how could uh, Jaws three been a success? Um, I like this. Almost this things I do like about it. They're almost like the red herring. Um, they think they've caught the shark, but they've not. <laughs> it's there's no. I think that's a really cool twist on it. Um, probably similar to is it in the first Jaws where they think they've caught the shark and mm-hmm. they obviously mm-hmm. haven't. So perhaps that's another throwback to that. Um, this location is a great idea. Yes. Like I said, there's so much that could be done. Um, I mean, this is before modern times when places like SeaWorld were acceptable. Yeah. Um, so there was so many elements that could have worked with it. Uh, but maybe it's just, they got lazy. I don't know. I have no idea how these movie systems work. When exactly. It comes to that. Exactly. I, I mean, you've got I have, some top tier actors in there. I mean, Dennis. I was Quaid, about to ask you. Yes. Yeah. That was my follow up question. Yeah. I mean, Dennis Quaid, early part of his career, obviously, and Leah Thompson's still early, but you, these people have been stars from the beginning. Yeah. Uh, and got Lewis. Is it Lewis Gossett who's in? Lewis Gossett Jr. Yeah. as well. And, and and Simon McCorking there as well, uh, playing uh, what a semi-villain. Yeah, like almost almost a bit of a throwaway character, really. For some reason, for, I don't know. I I, I kind of like the way they brought him. I mean, he's a sophisticated Quint. Think right. of uh, I I tend to think of him as if uh, what if Quint went to Oxford, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, that's I I kind of enjoy the character, and I, I think also one of the the things I think Bouchard and and Philip Fitzroy, so Louis Gossett Jr. and Simon McCorkendale's characters respectively, I think they um they could have been used better, you know? Yeah, uh, in exactly, terms of yeah. like making them the real villain and get that whole man versus nature angle of the first two movies. Um, but but I agree with you, like um, Fitzroyce sometimes, now I'm, I'm seeing your point, he comes across as just uh, a mercenary who wants to sell the video rights to him killing sharks. I don't yep. know. Right? Um, but before but he is needed yeah. at the end for the crucial ending, <laughs> he is, he is, he is, he is, um, 
Shall we call him bait, or is that too too much of a pun? Uh, I made enough. We 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 can cut these down. Um, it's it, 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 it's interesting uh, the the whole dynamic, and um, even like with the great cast, what could have been done. And I think Louis Gossett Jr. just came from um, an Oscar-winning performance. So I mean, you could have sell it as with with a better prestige and just like you know make something better. But and I don't know if you're aware of this, um, but the the original. Uh, do, do you know? Let me ask you this question: Do you know the, what was the original plot for Jaws three? I don't, so I'm excited oh, yeah. to find out. So Richard Matheson authored uh, a script, and again, this is um, internet rumor. <laughs> and in the first script was, uh, in the first draft of that script, was about a shark getting stuck in a lake after taking a river upstream. So kind of piranha. Think right. of piranha. I'm not getting excited. Jaws in nope. SeaWorld is a lot more exciting. <laughs> exactly. The stakes are higher as they should be in sequels, and that's what they got right with Jaws 3. I think, again, two things, and one of them you already mentioned. It's the uh, whole, uh, the, the trap tourists uh, yeah. in, in the, the tubes or the, like, the, what do you call it? The, yeah, the, the that facility uh, beneath, the, beneath the sea. I think, like, there's literally no tension there. <laughs> no, uh, and, and and I mean zero tension whatsoever, and and they could have done uh, a better job at raising the stakes because you got like so many people, children, etc. Like I don't know, go a bit meg, you know, just like get the yep. shark to try and break the glass or something like that. Be more, uh, yeah, g- get the shark in there, you know, almost kind of like recreate the USS Indianapolis situation with the tourists, you know. That um, would have been a cool twist if they could have like subliminally. Yeah. Done that. That would have yeah. been awesome. Because because at the same time, and, and think about the effect, right? You got you went big with the Sea World kind of like I don't know what they call it, with Sea Land or whatever the name, but it's Sea World effectively. Like you got you you go big, but then you get a climax that goes small, as in the tourists trapped under the on on that tube and everybody else on the control room, right? Mm-hmm. I think that would have made like an amazing contrast with uh, and like. Even if you don't get a great screenplay, getting these sequences right would have been amazing. It would have been amazing. Where was you in 1983? <laughs> Whatever. Uh, I, was, I wasn't even part of my uh, parents' plans. I was born in 1990, so I mean, <laughs> long after the franchise died. If yeah. I had the time machine, that would be like the uh, the thing, you know? Go there and, and do it. And, and um, I, I think also, again, the gore and body count, you know, it would be lazy sequel making by today's standards, but at the time, you know, just go big on it, you know? Yeah. Um, risk. Like, the people that, that went to see Jaws and Jaws 2, they're older now. They can go see a rated R movie. Uh, you wouldn't miss out on much, but if they went with the family fun angle and... and it almost it. feels like a family film, Jaws 3 does. Well, you mentioned you watched it with your you, yeah. with your grandma, right? Yeah. So... It wasn't offensive to, to anyone no. who was, was slightly older, right? <laughs> no. I so, but I, I, I do still love the scene. I mean, it's a ridiculous scene because how fast the shark's going, but where it's chasing the water skiers while they're doing the, um, like the standing on each other's shoulders and the, the fin comes up and it's just rocketing oh, yeah. through the water. I think that's great. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and even the first, like the when the first diver goes in, you know, to fix the the lock or the gate or whatever it was, even that attack, I think I think it was very well executed. You know, 
Yeah, where well, the fish just keeps appearing. Yep, yep, yep. Exactly. And it keeps a bit of the, the original, but at the same time, it, it promises that you're going to see something better than you actually yeah. um, see. And, yeah, of course, my suggestion would be kill Cindy and Sandy. Oh, man. That's like killing a dog in a film. You no, can't no, no, it. not on screen. Just kill the characters altogether. Skip the dolphins, you know? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Don't name them. You know, no, I'm not, I'm not advocating animal cruelty on screen. <laughs> uh, I'm not a monster, but, uh, yeah, they... Uh, they serve no purpose other than um, a ridiculous. Well, they they do, but it's not a not a very good purpose. But um, again, recapping, I think again there was it could have been worse, but it could have been way better. I yeah. think it's still fun. I I don't hate the movie. I've rewatched it. I think, I love the artwork. I love the poster. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. Still with the shark popping up and yeah. with the there was a, a rare poster, and I'm sure it's expensive as hell. Where they went, like you know, uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Eight, Jason takes Manhattan. The rejected mm-hmm. poster where Jason is slashing through a I love I heart New York, right? Poster, yeah. Right. So the original, there is one poster, um, and it is very expensive. But it's like basically, you know, the the um, the water skis, the dancers, you know, all piled up like yeah. the like the cover of the Go Go's, uh, the album from the Go Go's, um, and basically you have the fin of the shark, you know, just ripping off the poster. As if oh, it were. Oh, sweet. I've never right? seen that. I'm going to look for that. Oh, you need to look in that. And even the trailer. Th- there's only a teaser for this one. A- have you seen it? No, I don't think so. so is it worth oh, checking out? It is because it's effective. It doesn't show you anything. Maybe for good reasons because um, the 3D <laughs> shouldn't be seen uh, before you pay the admission. <laughs> uh, but it, 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 is, it is very effective. It, is, it, it shows very little. It's even more effective than the, the promo material that was released for Jaws 2. And I think there were some expectations. Um, and, and I mean, at the end of the day, it could have been way better. This movie still has a reason to exist. Just, yeah, not in the shape or format that we, we currently know. <laughs> no. <laughs> but, I'll still have a soft spot for it. I think. Yeah, no, no, no. And I mean, I really like. It seems that you're into memorabilia and 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 the additional like the um, the trivia and all that. I would recommend to watch the trailer and just check that poster because I'll send you a link to it because it's just amazing. It's almost like tongue in cheek, you know. Yeah, but I, I love I, all that kind of I, stuff. I think they, they they were a bit lost, you know, with the tone. That that's what I think. Yeah, that's that's what I think. But uh, but like I said, there's still a reason for this movie to exist, and unfortunately, the same cannot be said <laughs> for the final entry of the the one that killed the franchise, 1987's Jaws: The Revenge. Yeah. And let's take uh, continue with our format. Where were you <laughs> when uh, when you first saw, or how did you first uh, watch um, Jaws: The Revenge? Like I mentioned earlier, I have, a, I have a pretty good memory for when I um, what VHS tapes I rented, and I remember renting this one from um, a small shop across the road from my grandma's, uh, which I used to go. I used to go to my grandmother's every weekend, Saturdays and Sundays. So it always used to be about either going to the cinema on a Saturday afternoon or renting a couple of videotapes. So um, I specifically remember renting Jaws: The Revenge, and I was excited to see it. Um, another Jaws film. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, it, mm, yeah, that's when I saw it. <laughs> I'll leave it there. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, well, like I said, I, I watched it back to back with Jaws three 
uh, when it was released uh, in, uh, in DVD in 2001. And, I mean, I'm going to... Uh, there's there's very little i have some ideas but there's very little that can be done to like please fix this right right i think um first of all again you see the same like the story i don't know even where to begin like you have a, you have a very I put this out there in front of, i was dreading okay. going in to see it but yeah i didn't hate it as much as i remembered hating it which okay surprised me a little <laughs> okay 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 what what uh what changed from the last time you've uh you watched I, I don't know this? maybe it was because i didn't enjoy jaws 3 as much cause mm-hmm. watching them back again recently i didn't enjoy jaws 3 as much as i hoped i would have done then i watched jaws the revenge after maybe it felt like um i don't know it felt like a better made film from the point of view of the way it was shot, perhaps mm-hmm. um, certain elements still aren't great in it, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, I didn't hate it as much. I thought, shall I even bother rewatching it? I'm glad I did. Cause um, I did enjoy it more than I thought I would have done, but I'm still not a fan. <laughs> I, I thank you. Thank you for, for, uh, for helping me. I, I was feeling a bit stuck on how to <laughs> approach this one. Um, it's interesting what you just said, because I actually think, uh, if we ignore the plot and everything and the execution, the production values of Jaws the Revenge are actually better than Jaws 3. Oh, yeah. And, and on par with the original, like there is some, some dubious, uh, you know, artistic choices that were made, but still like there's, there are some good production values there and yeah. beautiful locations. Yeah, Exactly. Right, but it, it kind of—it's a weird film. It for me, it um, starts off on the wrong foot. You don't expect yeah. to see Amity, cold, wet Christmas. You mm-hmm. feel a bit strange mm-hmm. initially mm-hmm. when you see that. So the mm-hmm. whole debate is: Die Hard a Christmas movie? Is just the Revenge a Christmas movie? <laughs> I yeah. Well, uh, they—he was about to leave to buy a, a Christmas tree, right? Yeah. Um, before uh, Sean was attacked. And, and again, uh, Sean, again, takes another another job. So he's no longer whatever he was in Jaws 3. He's now a police officer. And, and Mike, um, he's still connected to the, um, yep. <laughs> to, the, to the marine biology life. But put, certainly uh, put himself in more danger than he was in SeaWorld. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like op- open water and whatnot. Um, but the man is a chameleon, right? Um, he's got younger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. He did. Um, Another but, stellar but, actor, though, Lance Guest from uh, Last Starfighter. Exactly, exactly. And, and I mean, Mario Van Peebles as well. Uh, and, and Michael Caine, of course, uh, collecting his paycheck. Um, <laughs> That's all it is. Right? No, yeah, he, he mentioned, uh, I've never, I've, uh, to quote him, uh, I never watched the movie, but I, I, I saw the house uh, it built, and it's amazing. <laughs> so uh, th- there you go. No, no, no shame in his game. Um, I mean, there was really, there was no reason for this movie to exist. But again, if Universal were to make a sequel, I or if they wanted to make a sequel, which they did, the obvious choice would be to try and resurrect, you know, the USS Indianapolis-based prequel. You know, yeah. I Has think, that ever been like on the table? Do you know? Uh, Spielberg has hinted, but I don't think we'll ever see that unless 
Apple TV or um, some, or Amazon buys uh, mm-hmm. Universal and the rights. I don't think we'll never see it. It was like it's it has circulated multiple times and has been talked about, but nothing ever came out of it. But I think it would have been and it would make an amazing movie. Um, but Speaking now, of that, though, you being down in London, did you go see The Shark is Broken, the stage? I play? did, I did, I did. I loved it. Um, I mean, it was amazing. Uh, did there's you, a lot of emphasis it? on that story. Yes. yes, yes, yes. Did you have a chance to see it? I did, yeah. Me and my oh. wife went to see it and loved it. Oh, amazing. And I mean, I think the final moments when Robert Shaw's son is delivering the final version mm-hmm. of the, the, the monologue... I mean, it is. It was emotional because of my connection with with, with, the, with the movie, but also it's kind of like you know you're sharing a moment with someone who was somewhat part of it, if you will. Yep. <laughs> he was Robert Charles. He is Robert Charles' son, but at the same time, a moment that very few people that were there, uh, are, well, they're, they're no longer alive, right? So very few people in this world are alive to tell you exactly like the production uh, crew. Um, I mean, Roy Scheider is gone, Robert Shaw, Spielberg is still around, but there are very few people and fewer as years go by that will be able to tell you exactly how that was shot and how it looked like. So to me, that was a very emotional moment and and a great way to end the show. Yeah, perfect ending to it. Perfect. And, And again, just highlights how important and how how great it would have been if they adapted this and i think now with you know with all these uh, star wars story and the lord of the rings prequel and da 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 like i think there's we they could they could make a they could make a spin off but it would need to be properly made but one thing is for sure even in 1987 we we were done with the brodies <laughs> I, I don't know about I had, you. I, I had hopes for it but um, it's a strange one it's something like you say there's a, why do you dislike it so much from just the general story idea that mm-hmm. is that what it is? It's just the, the concept of it. It's just uh, unbelievable. Yeah. Well, first of all, it's funny. You mentioned John McClane and that, well, you mentioned that hard, but uh, how can the same thing happen to the same guy? Yeah. <laughs> Four times <laughs> uh, in the case of Mike Brody, right? Uh, what are the odds? The men should, should ditch that and play the lottery or something, you know? And retire like in a landlocked country. Um, I think I think it's it's a bit of both, you know. First of all, it's we're done with the Brodies, and this is no longer this goes beyond suspension of disbelief. Yeah, you know? this is like this family like clearly has like they upset the mafia guy, the mafia sharks, and like they're paying for it. And and then the other thing is just like the whole. I don't know. It's the whole plot, right? Um, going to the Caribbean, um, then there is, again, it's warm waters, sharks don't go there. Or... Yeah, they don't even kind of say why that's possible. They, they say that it's safe there because it's warm water. Yeah. But then the shark actually turns up. Do they actually acknowledge, say, how is this possible? So I read in the book, uh, I didn't read the book, thank God, but the movie could have been worse if they included this. Um, that the shark was being controlled by a voodoo performer, I don't know, and I kid wow. you not, who had a personal vendetta against the Brodies. Don't ask <laughs> me why. Maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe Chief Brody was smuggling drugs in the, the Caribbean, like, or Sean was doing that before joining the force. You know, I don't know. 
but um so there was this personal uh, situation where the voodoo kind of like weekend at bernie's too you know uh, yeah <laughs> the shark is being controlled so it's not the shark it's someone manipulating the shark wow how far things have moved from the original jaws if that was exactly in the ballpark exactly That's crazy I, I think they there's a hint that okay ellen is a obsessed with the fact that this is he's connected and they communicate and this and that and that's hinted on part two right so i guess they took that little nugget and they say well what if they all have like this whatsapp group where they say well let's chase the brodies you know yeah uh, they, they did this wrong you know they, they killed our people so i mean i don't yeah it's it's both you know um and i think you know there is there are ways this could have been this idea, no matter how ludicrous it sounds, could have been adapted. I, I don't know how familiar you are with Peter Benchley's uh, works, like novels. I'm not, no. No, no. but he, he, he wrote a novel called The Creature, which, which was adapted uh, as a TV movie, if I'm not mistaken, starring Craig T. Nelson in the late 90s. And it was about this creature that's, uh, I don't know, a combination of a military experience that wanted to combine humans and sharks. Okay. Yes. Peter eventually wrote that. <laughs> and yeah, you're getting into the piranha territory, but at least if you could get like the military experience, fine. Um, I would easily, or well, not easily, but I, I could buy that. But I think, you know, I, I don't know. I just don't think e keeping the Brodies would be a good idea. Also, you're not doing any, yourself any favors if you're still hanging out to the same crowd that went to the movies 12 years before. Right. Right. I mean, now we do with legacy sequels, but that's something like there's, well, there's a time span of like 30 years, 15 years, whatever, between the movies. So there's that, that nostalgia. That wasn't the case with Jaws in 1987. Definitely not. Uh, no, I know what you mean. Uh, it's weird. I, like I say, when I, I went in and watched it, I, I didn't hate it as much as I thought I was going to do, but maybe that's because I knew the story prospect and it wasn't as crazy to me going in this time so i was watching it more on how the film was made um again coming off the back of jaws 3 i almost say like people one of my favorite friday the 13th films is jason x mm -hmm. which people say well that's just stupid and i'll say well it's called jason x jason in space you know that going in so if, yeah. you, if you're not gonna adapt to it going in just don't bother watching it so I guess I knew what was going to happen a little in Jaws Revenge on a rewatch. So perhaps I was a little bit more open to enjoying it. Maybe it, that was one of the it, reasons. It, well, that, that's a very good point, you know, uh, because the movie does try to take itself very seriously, at least in the, 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 the promo material and everything. It's like, this is serious, right? Even yeah. though they mentioned this time it's personal, which is a bit laughable. But uh, still, the, it, it, it's a movie that takes itself way too seriously. Mm -hmm. And and I, I, I'm with you, right? Uh, if you rewatch it, I tend to you know ignore the goofs, especially the one when Michael Caine just <laughs> his plan lands in the water. He needs to swim, and when he gets on board, he's dry. <laughs> like that's one of the little things. The low body count, etc. Fine. Uh, yeah. But there is, I mean, even even Michael Caine's character, it's not a great A performance, but it's, it's a terrible character. I have to admit, yeah. it's like. Michael Caine, it's like the most stereotypical Michael Caine performance. Yeah, yeah. And and he was supposed to be a drug smuggler, right? So I think it, I don't know if it could have been the movie slightly more interesting, but... Yeah, it, it, his, his over-the-top performance overshadows that it's too much for the film, I think. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. And and, and oh, and since we we were touching on telepathic and voodoo, what about Ellen Brody? I know this has been. Uh, said uh, every time this movie comes up, they talk about this. But what about uh, Alan Brody with, uh, remembering moments and uh, sequences? That <laughs> wow, <coughs> moments that she was never there for. Yes, she knows yes. Yeah. that's a sign of a, of a strong marriage. If you ask yeah. me, they shared everything. <laughs> the point where she recalled exactly the angle that Roy Scheider, her husband, yeah. Brody, used to to shoot the shark. But um, if, again, they had to go with this and ignoring the USS Indianapolis, you know, pipe dream, I would actually go in a different direction. And in, instead of going bigger, I would actually have gone smaller or more in line with what Jaws 3 got right, which was small, uh, like a confined space. And, you know, um, almost a kind of Alien 3 kind of vibe, you know? Yeah. Where you got... Well, speaking of confined spaces, I want to know how the shark gets through that boat and um, Mike's going upwards through little manholes and the shark's right behind him all the time. <laughs> Man, voodoo. That's the answer to everything. <laughs> I, I think it, I think it just became... Jaws the Revenge made it very easy, very easy to become a screenwriter. You know, like, but this is the plot hole. No, voodoo. <laughs> what about this guy? What the motivation, voodoo? That's the answer. That's the answer to, to, to every single plot hole in every single movie, voodoo. <laughs> there you go. Gives you extra strength. And yeah. if you don't believe it, well, you're a non-believer. You'll watch another movie. <laughs> That's it. Quality. But, yeah. But speaking of the confined spaces, I mean, I would have loved to have seen uh, like a, you know, expensive resort, no weapons, nothing. And kind of like, you know, humans have no cages, no barrels, no boats, nothing. They're just like there. Maybe in an, on an island and like a tiny island for rich people. I don't know. And give it really an Alien 3 kind of vibe, you know? Yes. Yeah, supplies we, are running out on the island. They've got to get somewhere or something like yeah, that. Or, man yeah. versus nature. The concept of the original. Amp it up, you know? Just do it. Uh, and I mean, and I do like Alien 3 despite its flaws. But that's the kind of idea I would have seen here. And not going like if part three would be go the... Jo go go through the um, go down the um, slasher route. I would say Jaws four go a bit more the John Carpenter day live kind of like get rich oh, wow. people. You know, no, no, no. In the sense of like rich people in trouble and yep is in peril and everything. You know, very of its time. You know, go go down that route. But no, no voodoo, please. No. <laughs> all, all these films suffer from as much as I love the eighties films. Um, they almost came ten years too early give it another yeah. 10 years well probably another 15 years when your quentin tarantino's came around and people were starting to take a few more risks towards the end of the 90s um and develop stories a little bit more it could have been a lot more creative but back yeah. then it was just more how can we get the shark involved and just exactly and the brothers again and the, bro and the brothers and voodoo and yeah. voodoo <laughs> Um, well, that's how it makes. That's how it works. Get the video that, involved. That's how. Obviously, yeah. That's that. Uh, that was a recipe for success. That unfortunately <laughs> killed the whole franchise. Um, can we talk about the ending? Yes, yes, we can. Of course. Oh. Which which one? Which version? Sorry, I need to ask. Ah, yes. Good point. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> they're they're equally bad, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, the one where the shark explodes. What is the logic behind that? Well. I, I'm going to repeat myself with voodoo, but also the shark roars, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, logic I went out the that. window. I could buy that 
Uh, okay, you're not a marine this... biologist. You're not a Mike Brody, if you will. <laughs> uh, but uh, still, like, I don't know. Like, all both endings, like, yeah, the shark exploding, but I don't think that's... It's actually better than the TV ending, the one where you got the... Now you got decent versions of it floating around YouTube, but, like, where the shark gets impaled, you know? And it's like a blood fest. Yeah. So... Oh, my... Is it just the fact that the shark raises so far out and then to get impaled? Is that the thing you don't like about it? Or? It's it's a mix of all. I mean, first of all, it's it's like it, it's ridiculous. It's it's. I, I talked about high production values. Uh, they were not included <laughs> in this scene because it yeah. looks like a little muppet, you know, or is something like that that uh, Jim Henson created, just like floating around and yeah, it just jumps too high. Then I mean, how crazy is it? It's such a downhill spiral from the ending of the first to how they exactly. get rid of the shark in each one. Each one's just getting worse. Exactly, exactly. Uh, well, the second one was, was it the grenade? Uh, the second one was the... No, the third one. The, the, yeah, yeah the, the, the second one is the cable. The third one is the grenade, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, you'd think that'd be one of the things, right, how, when they're writing out the script, how are we going to make the ending bigger and better and ramp it up even more but now it just got worse every time no exactly and, and i mean and, and speaking of this alternative ending you got um because you got such a low body count and you do got some gore at the beginning with uh, with sean's uh death but um they i think they overcompensate at the end you know with that that fake uh, that secondary ending or that alternative ending with the blood is just spilling everywhere and like oh i don't know that that sequence is just oof. It's uh, probably so. Which version did you see? Did you see where? So I watched the one where he just explodes again, Mm -hmm. right? With when they're like poking him with that sound thingy, yeah, with the sonar radar or whatever. And then I watched it on YouTube, like the the original version. So I've never watched Jaws: The Revenge, um, like beginning to end, uh, with the the alternative ending. Right, because doesn't Mario Van Peebles, he doesn't survive in one of them. Oh, yeah, yeah, that is that, that is correct. Yeah, he doesn't survive in the alternative ending. Because that's, that's one thing I remember when I watched it originally. I thought it was such a lame that both Mario Van Peebles and Michael Caine survive uh, those two scenarios where you think you've lost them. Yeah. Michael Caine's plane gets eaten. Um, he survives. He just pops up. Then Mario Van Peebles gets in the jaws, took down, then he just survives again. I thought that was such a family-friendly oh, yeah, yeah. ending it. Absolutely, absolutely. And, um, I mean, the only other attack you have is, what, the banana boat? Yeah. <laughs> uh, jumping up and down in slow motion, which is, I, I don't know, completely inappropriate <laughs> considering the age of some of the people. Some of the, the people featured there is fine. Uh, let's not, it was 1987, different times. But also, yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to say this. I, I said I have nothing against Cindy and Sandy as dolphins, not, not as characters, but I just cannot stand Taya. Right. Oh, sheesh. <laughs> uh, it's Taya, uh, the little girl. Uh, for those of you who don't know, she's Mike's, uh, Mike's daughter. And every time that, um, that uh, Ellen uh, calls her, Taya, Taya, all the time, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> It's like it gives me a headache, you know. Every time I watch that movie, I kind of need to mute it, or maybe I need to start a drinking game out of it, you know. Not, how not, many not, times not have myself. you seen it? 
How many times do you go back in? Think no, I don't go back. I don't go back in the water that often. You know, I, I, I've seen it <laughs> twice, but uh, the second time was already. I think it was because it was on TV on, on cable, and I was just like bored uh, many years ago, and I just watched it. Um, it's like Howard the Duck. It keeps drawing you back in. I'm going yeah, to this yeah. <laughs> no, no, not really. You know, um, there is actually this this comedian uh, Richard Jenny, uh, which you will know because he was he starred in The Mask. You know, with Jim Carrey, he played his buddy who works at the bank. Mm-hmm. And so this comedian had uh, like this part of his set was just telling him, like telling people how he watched Jaws four, and how like uh, it was really bad, and how he felt like maybe this will get better. And he felt that there was a hand slapping him around, saying, "No, you are an idiot because it's now two a.m." <laughs> And you're seeing a shark who's chasing a family who's whatever. So you need to watch that sketch because it's uh, it's it's amazing. I will um, relate heavily to it. Yeah. And I mean, after watching that, then first I laughed. Then I had a moment of self-reflection. I was like, right, uh, I'm, I don't think I'll watch Jaws 4 in the next, uh, the next 15 <laughs> years or something. You know, g- g- give it a break. Give it a, a break. But one thing I'll say that stuck with me was, again, the soundtrack, which, again, takes the cues from John Williams, but it's it's quite good. Yeah. I, would I, say I need to good. focus on it a bit more. I, um, nothing jumped out initially, but um, I'll take your word for it. No, no. Well, ignore the Calypso-infused uh, <laughs> fillers. Uh, I'm, I'm talking about even the opening scene, right? The 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 way the, um, the composer, like right now I can't recall his name, but the way the composer just like... Um, goes around and gives his own f- flavor to John Williams' original score. It's, right. It's really amazing. I, I thought it was good. And and again, much like Jaws 3, there is, uh, well, for a short period of time, you are led to believe that you're seeing something <laughs> something uh, slightly, well, hopefully not not bad, but that, that, isn't, that isn't the case. Um, I think just wrapping it up, I've never seen Cruel Jaws, the other movie that uh, is the unofficial Jaws 5. I don't even know where it's from, if it's Japanese or something like that. Oh, wow. I've never heard of that. How old's that? I think it's from the 90s. Like, it shares a similar font, you know, the title, but I've never seen it. I've watched a couple of ripoffs of the original, like Orca, Piranha, etc. But I have to say, the only... Um, the only thing I really like post Jaws 3 is the uh, sketch that Universal released in 2015. I don't know if you've seen it, which was, uh, you know, Back to the Future Part 2, there was Jaws 19. Ah, yes. So, yeah. yeah, so they created all these titles um, for like Jaws 5, 6, until 15. And I found that amusing. Um, but yeah, I mean, looking looking forward, and with all these movies like uh, The Shallows and uh, Meg and whatnot, and uh-huh. Meg 2 is now popping up, as a wrap-up question, how do you feel like, do you still, would you like to see a Jaws 5, not a remake? Uh, do you still enjoy other non-Jaws, <laughs> like uh, uh, shark-related movies like Meg? I, I do really enjoy shark-related movies. Out of all of them I've seen, I think the Meg has been one of my, which I found the most disappointing yeah, because I think the trailers promised so much, then it just became really schlocky and uh, campy. Um, yeah. Whereas all the others, I think they do a pretty good job. I'm not a fan of um, CGI sharks. I think I yeah. would sooner them keep it uh, out of shot and more to the mind, which was what made the original Jaws so good. 
Um, but for most part of them, I really enjoyed the film Bait. I thought that was great. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you say, The Shallows is a great film. What's the other one? Is it 47 Meters Down or something Yeah, it's like the that? one. That's the one. Yeah. I haven't seen that one. Is that one any good? Yeah, I enjoyed all of them. Because it has that suspense. I mean, mm-hmm. it's never not going to be a nightmare yeah. scenario for anybody yeah. being in the water. Which Absolutely. Which is what Jaws kicked off. It, yeah. it instilled that in everybody. And I think every film that comes along is going to be riding on that no matter how original. Exactly. Um, they are. Uh, absolutely. And, and and to your point about the CGI, I think nowadays with all the inexpensive HD cameras and the amount of like people capturing footage, uh, you could easily, like, I'm not saying it wouldn't be expensive, but certainly less expensive than it would have been a couple of years ago, you could incorporate some live footage of yeah. sharks. You know, it doesn't have to be all CGI. Um yeah, man. And I guess we, we reached the end since there are only four movies. Uh, Rob, again, it's been a pleasure uh, to discuss and to um, to find ways to improve um, otherwise uh, excellent masterpieces of American filmmaking. <laughs> I can't wait to hear other people's opinions on oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I mean, maybe we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get you back uh, on, the, on the show once Meg 2 is released, if you will... <laughs> If you are planning to watch it, which we, we all know we will eventually will watch it. But uh, when that happens, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll revisit the shark topic. I look forward to it already, mate. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you so much for schooling me. Oh, right, Cheers, man. Cheers, man. Cheers. All right, you take it easy. Thanks. Mm. Bye. Bye-bye.